Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. And let me tell you, ain't nothing going on this week. <laughs> you know, democracy is in disarray. There's a, a Supreme Court judge that who knows what this woman will do. She's less experienced in lawyering than I am and shoot almost anything at this point. So there's that. We're almost uh, at election time. So we just got to hold on, keep the faith and vote and vote and vote and vote and vote and vote. Uh, you know, unless you're voting for uh, the current administration, then, you know, stay home, girl. Y'all got it. <laughs> so let's just dive right into it. Apparently there was the BET Hip Hop Awards that took place this week and I didn't realize it till it was over. They looked like they had a really cool cypher with... Uh, Tiana Taylor, her, Erica Badu, and Brandy doing a version of Wanna Be Down. I wanna be down with what you going. If you remember, the remix had a lot of lady rappers from the 90s, MC Light, Yo-Yo, Queen Latifah. I'm missing somebody and I am sorry in advance, but it was like, a, it was a moment, right? Back in, back in the nineties. So they tried to recreate it. Although this time Brandy decided to rap instead of just sing the chorus, which is a choice. I'll have to catch the re-air. Uh, but I did, I did watch that in particular. Uh, the only other thing you girls have been talking about, uh, is uh, Birkin bags. Apparently everyone is up in arms about Birkin bags. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Birkin bag is the highest bag created by Hermes. Uh, fabulous designer. And the bags usually start at about $10,000. You have to be a consistent customer. You get invited to get a Birkin bag. So it is a luxury, luxury, luxury item. It is not, you're not gonna saunter in with your tax return and ask for a Birkin bag and whatever. And it supposedly has a very high return on investment. It can be resold pretty much at the price that you bought it or higher, right? Because it, 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 it is such an exclusive piece of, of fashion. And so, yes, there are some people who collect them. It was, this is not new. Uh, there was an entire episode of Sex in the City about the Birkin bag, an entire episode of Girlfriends about the Birkin bag. And so for those of you who may be young, that's been about 15 or so years ago. I'm lying. I'm probably, probably closer to 2018. It's been a while. Decades have passed. So the Birkin is not a new thing. Talking about it and, and people clamoring for it and seeing it as a, uh, a piece of status, a, a, a show of how accomplished they are, that's not really new. So, but we are in, a, you know, COVID-19, we are in a time in which some people are being hit very hard economically. And Cardi B has been showing off her Birkin bag collection. And recently, Cardi B's uh, practically sister-in-law at this point, but uh, fellow rapper Saweetie was clearly drunk and in her bag and made a little video where she was like, oh, you know, if your man ain't buying this and paying bills and buying you Birkin bags, you need to dump him, blah, blah, blah. And so she says all this to the camera, kind of flips her hair and saunters off. And Quavo, her boyfriend, looks at the camera, shrugs and walks off. I saw the video and, and thought, okay, she's being facetious, you know, clearly just talking smack. Her boyfriend thought nothing of it because he can afford the Birkin bags. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> and probably was aware that she was being drunk and talking silly. The interwebs has exploded, right? Because now you've got people that want to weigh in. You know, you guys are spreading a message of uh, what's like, you know, materialism. And what about a man's heart? What about his character? What if a man, what if a man has nothing, but he's got a good heart to give you? You know, all of these sorts of things. Can I tell you something? Who cares? When I say who cares, what I mean is there's this way that we use everything as this like how low can you go barometer that we make women, particularly women of color, particularly black women. You know, well, what if, you know, like any kind of like you don't deserve a full package of a man, right? Because we do the same thing. And before you're like, no, Birkin bags are expensive. They're a waste of money. That's valid. That's valid if you feel that way. However, we do the same thing where like, what is this one meme that's going around? The $28 date. Would you go on a date for $28? This man needs to focus on his life. Don't take me on a date. Take yourself to a job training and ask yourself why you only got $28 spent. So I'm not saying this to be nasty. I'm saying this to say that we do too much of this like my bar is here. Where is your bar? How come your bar is not lower? My bar is here. Why isn't your bar higher? The truth of the matter is... If these men have money to spend and, and these women like Birkin bags and it all works out and people are finding each other and they like each other, that's fine. Who cares? If you don't want a Birkin bag, if you're thinking, if you got $10,000, please, let's invest. Let's, you know, get in the stock market. Let's buy a property and, and put a down payment and you find a partner who agrees with you, then great. This what we really need to encourage people is to find a standard, believe in your standard, find what you want in life. And be okay with it and stop trying to make people who want this Birkin bag lifestyle. You know, you're not going to get a girl who wants a fancy bag. I love a handbag. And, and if I had it like that, I'd have me a Birkin too. However, I'm also not looking at that as a standard for a romantic partnership. Like I had a lot of other standards. I had a lot of standards now, so let's not get it twisted. But that's me and that's what I wanted. You know, everything has checks and balances. And some of these girls, not shading anybody. But like a Cardi, Cardi has a collection of Birkins because every time her husband messes up, she gets gifts. I'm fine with not having a Birkin if you're only getting them because your husband is tipping out, right? I'm sure, you know, uh, Tiny gets a new car every time T.I. wants to come back home. Like, you see what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that to, to shade or to judge as much as I'm saying, y'all, don't waste your time worrying about what other people's mans are buying them. And if you are a man thinking, oh, all these women want, shut up. Just work on being the best you. What, what people want, what a woman wants is a man that is not stingy. That doesn't mean he has to be wealthy. Do you see what I'm saying? That stingy, I don't, you can be the richest person on the planet. Stingy men are unattractive. It's just, it's just what it is, right? So I think people are conflating the two because no, it's not most people on this planet. That's why the bag is exclusive. Do not have ten to fifteen thousand dollars to spend on 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 a handbag. So don't don't get all in your bag about what some rapper girl said because she's got a boyfriend that's making way too much money <laughs> for his own good, and so he's buying her what he wants to buy her. Big whoop, whoop de woo wah. Worry about being the best you. That's all I took from there. I watched a movie this weekend. I bullied my husband into watching it with me because he don't really like mess like this. And he spent the whole time going, what is this you got me watching? <laughs> we watched Bad Hair. 
It is, uh, it's interesting. It was on Hulu and it is from Justin. I don't remember if his last name is Simeon or Simon, but he is the guy behind Dear White People. And so it is a horror slash satire slash parody uh, about set in the like 1989 so it's sort of uh, like a like a young lady who has had some hair trauma and I would describe that as clear trauma in her childhood grows up um, and is not comfortable with getting her hair done and she's working at this company that is clearly like a pseudo version of BET right before Viacom takes over and she is talked into getting uh, a hair weave. And this is, if you know anything about hair history, like the 80s was when, like the late 80s, early 90s is when we've kind of reached the masses. You know, if you remember back in the day, there would be like, you know, the shortcut on top and then the kickstand weave tracks put in the back, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's set in that time period. And it's an interesting movie. I think it's fun to watch, even if there's some things that are not really quite all the way wrapped around for me. There was a lot of gaps in the storyline and a lot of explanations for things that I think would have been different had a woman been the one behind the movie. Uh, and I just needed more explanation, but I still think it's fun. And it's great for Halloween if you're like the type of person who don't like a lot of mess in their shows. I'm always jumping and being scared at stuff. And but I also don't like no evil. I don't like a lot of blood and I don't like a lot of evil. So here we go. Watch a movie about hair weave. <laughs> and I knew this going in. I said, I know a little too much about hair weave to enjoy this movie because I'm going to start seeing some problems. And that's exactly what I did. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, look, it's something to watch if you're home and you don't have anything to do. And it's just enough spooky for Halloween, but just enough not spooky to not like give you nightmares at night. And, and James, there's lots of famous people in there. I would love an 80s inspired album from Kelly Rowland now uh, because of her work in there. Usher's in there looking cute. And Vanessa Williams is in there looking ageless as always. One thing I do find fun is James Vanderbeek is in there and he is settling nicely into his role as evil white man set in the 80s. He did that in the first season of Pose and he's in this movie pretty much being the same person. <laughs> evil white businessman in the 80s. That's, Jander, that's James Vanderbeek's new lane. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what's been going on. Just mm, trying to make it through to November 3rd. That's really what's happening. Trying to keep it light. So we're going to take a short break. We will be right back with our guest. I'm really excited to have Adriana on here. And we are going to talk about a, a touchy topic, but October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's lots of awareness in October, breast cancer, uh, domestic violence, I think pancreatic cancer. Um, but so we're going to talk to her and we're going to discuss domestic abuse and how she overcame her situation. So I want you to stay put. There's going to be a lot in there for those of us who uh, are also friends and loved ones that want to support people that have been abused, as well as people who might need to get out of a situation as well. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. excited to have my guest here, Adriana. She is going to open up and share with us uh, some of her life experiences and we're talking about domestic abuse. Adriana, thank you for being on the show. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and who you are. 
Thank you so much for having me. Um, Adriana, as you said, uh, born, raised, currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I am a makeup artist, graphic designer, painter, just a creative all around, and just someone who enjoys living her best life and making people happy. That's basically who I am in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I'll be transparent in saying I have known you a while uh, because yeah. I'm good friends with your sister, Alex. But I did not know that you had had a domestic abuse relationship literally until this year uh, when you opened up and talked about it publicly. And I'd seen you post a few memes about it, but I don't think I knew the depth of what was going on. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, where did you meet your ex? How did that relationship even start? Yeah, and that's the thing. You're not the only one who didn't know, but we'll get into that too, of course. Um, Yeah, yeah. We actually, which is the reason why I kind of held on for a long time, we met at church. Um, Mm. We met at a Bible study in November of 2014. He actually, turns out, I found out later on in the relationship, saw me at a Bible study a couple months earlier, but did not approach. Mm. Um, And then in the beginning of November or October, something like that, his mother actually approached me during a service mm. and was like, I, you know, when they, you know, in the church, when they do greet your neighbor and to meet the fellowships and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Uh, she walks up to me and I, at the time had been in that church my whole life. So I was like, who is this woman? Cause I pretty much knew everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and she comes up and she introduces herself and she's just like, I want you to meet my son. Mm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I kind of got to know her for about a month or so before I finally meet him. So we were finally at a Bible study together and, um, she walks up and she's like, this is my son. And, you know, we, we meet, we kiki, blah, blah, blah. We exchange numbers. Um, and then we went on a date about a week later and then we kind of instantly started dating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at church in November of 2014. So this is, this is for most people, this is what we would call a meet cute, right? Like the, right. the setup is very like, oh, we're on millennial married and black love yeah. that there was nothing <laughs> suspicious about the way you met him other than the fact that. I will say I, when mama's got to pimp him out, there's something wrong. Right. Find a woman on his own. But hindsight is totally funny, you know. <laughs> but it sounds adorable, like in in its yeah. way. So everything was normal on the up and up. How soon into the relationship did you see any issues in which you were like, "Ooh, what did you just do? When did the abuse start?" So the actual abuse didn't start for. A little over a year in, actually, wow. um, I, I noticed because we were together almost four years, um, the kind of verbal abuse didn't really mm. start until about a year in. It wow. didn't turn physical until about a year and a half, two, year, two years in. Um, but I first kind of noticed a sign of, whoa, you're, you're a bit angry mm. um, about six months in, uh, but it wasn't towards me. It was towards a family member. Um, he, I don't remember exactly what the argument was about, but he, he kind of got in, a, in an altercation with his brother. And I was just like, you're kind of overreacting a little bit. Like, I, I realized how how angry he was over something seemingly so small. Right. But of course, you never think that it would turn to you. But right. a couple months later, he finally 
kind of got angry at me. And the red flag in hindsight was that he didn't throw something at me, but he threw something. Mm. Um, and then it transitioned to punching a wall. Mm. Then it transitioned into grabbing me really hard. And then it transitions into him pinning me up against a wall. Then it transitions into him actually hitting me. But it, wow. so it was, it was almost like grooming to kind of see how oh, much gosh. I would, I guess, be freaked out by before I actually got hit. Uh, so yeah, it didn't turn on me physically until about two years in, but verbally it turned on me about a, a year in. Wow. Yeah. And, and at two years in, how how connected were you? And when I say connected, I mean, you know, it's one thing if you're dating, but I don't stay over here. We can break up and I don't have to see you again. Were you guys living together? Right. Were all of your friends and family we sort of incorporated? At that point, the Absolutely. physical abuse started. How deep were you into the relationship? Oh, we lived together mm. when it started. Um, I 100% was in love with him. Um, he had also had told he he loved me. Um, I now, of course, in hindsight, realize it was not love. Um, but no, we were in love from my understanding of what love was. And yeah, our families were very much intertwined. I mean, I first, uh, like I said, I had already met his, his mother um, first. So that was, you know, September or whatever. And then we went on our date in no, November 3rd or 4th, 2014 was our first date. I ended up going to Thanksgiving at his house that year. Of yeah. course, I had Thanksgiving at my parents' house first, but I met the bulk of his family three weeks into us dating because wow. I went over for Thanksgiving. Um, so, yeah, I, we're already deep in. I have our, his nephews already calling me Auntie Audrey. Um, I've already known his family. He knows my family. Yeah, it's, it's, it's already deep in by the time it started. So you're totally enmeshed by then. He didn't start anything physical while you had your own place. No, <laughs> you see, we were, we, yeah, there was, we were living together when it started. Yes. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Was there any, cause you mentioned verbal. What mm -hmm. was there like emotional and financial abuse? Cause I noticed, and I'm asking that only because I do notice at least when I talk to other people, particularly black people, that's who mostly listens to my show. A lot of times it's like, yeah. if you're not being hit, people kind of act like, well, y'all just arguing. What's the problem? Right. So, right. When you say verbal abuse and if there was emotional and financial, what was that like? Yeah, it was uh, calling me out of my name in arguments, um, belittling the things that I love. Um, as I stated in the beginning, and as you know, I am a makeup artist. I love makeup. Uh, it's truly my passion. I remember once we got, because in, in, at that time back then, I always loved makeup, but I was still, you know, growing my craft. I was watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And I, I, when I wasn't working, I was at home watching YouTube videos, literally studying my craft. Like YouTube taught me how to do makeup. Right. You know, and so I would be watching YouTube videos, hair tutorials, my Jackie Ina, all of my faves 
just, you know, kind of learning the craft and the art of makeup because it was something that I was interested in. And we would get in arguments and he would throw it back in my face, pardon my French, but he would be like, you know, you spend your, your free time watching bullshit YouTube videos, you know, things like that, just completely belittling right. the things that I love. Um, he, like I said, would call me out of my name. It would, uh, in, in public, you know, he would sometimes not, he would embarrass me in front of his, his friends sometimes mm. like bringing up things that didn't need to be brought up. I'm like, why are you discussing this? Like, I remember one of my biggest frustrations, which caused a big argument was he one time told his best friend and brought it up in public that we were not having sex. Um, and me being someone who grew up in the church has very Christian values. Right. Um, that's not something that's very personal. Yeah. And I'm like, shouldn't be discussing me and my body with your homeboy. Right. And even if you all bring that up in public. Right. And so it was just like, a that would be embarrassment, belittle what calling me out of my name is, is, is pretty much what I mean when I say emotional and verbal. And he just, he, whenever he yelled a lot, like mm. there was no, a small argument it always had to blow up I remember the neighbor underneath us once like caught me when I was on the way to work and it was actually a kind of I guess he was in his 40s or 50s uh white guy yeah and he was clearly some type of guy that's like a serial bachelor because I would see different women all the time (laughs) yeah I was like who is this guy but he once cornered me and he was just like are you okay I hear you all arguing a lot and I hear what he says to you and, you know, are, wow. are you good? And like to the point where a, a neighbor who doesn't even know man of paint and is a white man who's probably in his forties or fifties coming at this at the time, 23 year old black girl to make sure she's okay. I'm like, right. if he's concerned about her well being, something's going on, you know? So yeah, there was just mm. no such thing as everything always blew up to just this, insurmountable amounts of, of just screaming and it's like why are you yelling over the smallest thing you know so yeah that's pretty much what it was gotcha gotcha and like I said I, I, I again I have been in not situations but had conversations with people in which they mentioned oh yeah my husband punches walls there's holes in walls or something like that yeah. and you're like oh that's not okay and their reaction is well no. he's not hitting me like, no I I always that's still a lot yeah 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 I'm like if he is punching a wall it's because he's restraining himself from punching you Mm. um and frankly eventually it will get to that point yeah because eventually there's enough holes in the wall that he's got to punch or if he's throwing something uh in another direction eventually it will get thrown at you yeah at least that situation uh it, it it went from walls to to me yeah and, and, you know, yeah. that makes sense because I, I, I think about the times that I've been enraged and angry. And most of the time, I've mm-hmm. never punched a hole in a wall. I've never. Never. I've never Not- done anything <laughs> like that. Most people yeah. don't. Most people yeah. don't. And we don't think You're about a- that. that. Yeah, we don't right. think about it that way. That's not normal. And at least if it's someone who you love no matter how angry you are, you will restrain yourself from calling them out of your, their name or, you know, throwing something just because you know, at the end of the day, the love 
covers how angry you are right now. Mm-hmm. So your anger can boil you over to the point where you call me out of my name or you punch a wall. You don't love me. Like that that's not no, that's not normal. It you shouldn't be patching up holes in the wall as a part of your relationship. Like no, that's yeah. not normal. Yeah. That's not, that's not the, like, like, there's always this running joke where, like, rappers will, like, honor their wives, but, like, you put up with a lot of ups and downs, and it's like, these ups and downs were caused by you, sir. So, like, I shouldn't have to deal with all of these ups and downs. Like, I saw a tweet, especially black women, like, let's normalize black women finding love and not have to deal with trauma first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, why do I have to go through so much to prove that I'm deserving of a ring you know like no that's such a backwards way of thinking yeah. in hindsight <laughs> but it's but it's common and a lot of us are yeah. are raised to think and not just with relationships that anything good happens you have to work and struggle and suffer whether that's our you know our yeah. jobs and economics and you know all those things right. we don't we've never been given an easy path right and so i think well, unfortunately women in particular take that to heart and think you have to tolerate a lot more than you should in a romantic relationship. Um, Right. I do want to talk about family. Okay. Um, I know your family. I've met your parents. Um, Yeah. They're cool kids. I like them. (laughs) I I love your parents. They're really, really great. Um, And I want to talk about his parent. Now you mentioned his mom in particular. Um, Yeah. So I always ask this question, and that is, did his mother know the way he was carrying on? And if so, what was her reaction and response? Uh, To an extent, yes. Um, she, She knew enough. She knew enough that she once did tell me, Adriana, I don't see how you're with him. Mm. But at the same time, she did enable him. Uh, 100%. She, it's, it's a struggle because I, I love her. She was a great person who always looked out for me, but in hindsight, I can see how you, I'm trying to figure out the words to say that she, she, it's the epitome of you, you, I don't know if you've, you've seen the, it's going around right now. It's like a, a clip of a red table talk where Willow says that Jada was harder on her than on Mm Jaden. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. He was the epitome of a black mother who loved her sons, but raised her daughter. Mm. She babied the crap out of him and his brother. Mm. Uh, To the point where I'm talking, she didn't even live. She, a couple, like a year into our relationship, she moved to Virginia for a job and when she would come home, this was after after he and I broke up, he went on to go, go he and his brother got an apartment together. Mm-hmm. I went over that place was a pigsty. Whenever she would come home for Thanksgiving, she gets in the kitchen, she cooks breakfast, makes everybody's plates, hand them their plate. She finally eats. Then she washes dishes. Then she starts on dinner. She's on her feet in the kitchen all day. Wow. <laughs> with no no one helping and she's washing their dirty drawers like she just completely just babied them right and i feel like often a lot of times we get in an argument because he would expect that from me too mm. and i'd be like 
your mom. Like, I'm not going to, if you get out the shower, you drop your jaws on the floor. I'm not going to pick them up. I'm going to tell you to pick them up. Right. And I'm going to tell put them in the hamper or start another load of washing of washing clothes. I'm not going to pick them up. I'm not your mom. Right. You know? So yeah, he was that type of mother. So even though she knew he had issues with his anger, she enabled it yeah. uh, because unfortunately she was in a domestic situation with his mm, father. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So his, his father passed away in, I think 2011 or 2012 um, they were a military couple. Mm. So dealing with a lot of PTSD coming back in the States, unfortunately his father turned to drugs. Um, and so they got divorced. Um, and then he ends up passing away about 10 years after their divorce. But I remember my, him tell my ex telling me once that he never physically saw his mother get hit by his father. But there was a, t- he would always hear the arguing and they would go in the bedroom and close the door argue the room will be fine and they open the door and the place is completely disheveled mm. so so that was normal it. to him that behavior that was, was normal, normal. Him. exactly that behavior all of everything that was going on with him was normal i was the one freaked out because it was not normal for me as you said my, you've met my parents so my that's parents what i was going to parents. say tell me about the yeah. holtz i i love the, the holtz but tell the people about the holtz the holtz have been married for 34 years to, to October 11th hit 34 years. My dad is a deacon. My mom, they are church going, loving. They are people that I truly feel if you have a problem with them, it's something wrong with you. Like they are that type of people that they are giving, they are loving, they are, would give you the shirt off their back if they could. Like they are great. And I, I, I'm so grateful for my parents giving me such a strong foundation and for being an example of what love should be like. And that's why, even though I was in it, I always was uncomfortable because that's not what I was used to, mm. but you no, know, me loving him and me meeting him in church, thinking that because we met in church, he's the one that God ordained for me. Mm. I'm going like, okay, what am I missing? But at the end of the day, my gut feeling is still just in my spirit is disturbed because I'm like, this is not normal. I didn't grow up on this. I don't, I don't, I think I've probably in life heard my, truly heard my parents argue, I think like twice. Yeah. And I'm 28. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, my birthday is tomorrow. I'll be 28 tomorrow. Yay, happy Um, birthday. Thank you. So I'm not used to hearing argue. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely no walls punching or screaming or calling out of names. Never on either side. So for him, it was normal. For me, it was not. So, you know, I, I think that's why he didn't realize why he had such a problem is because he grew up in dysfunction, so mm. to speak. And I didn't. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you that only because I know a lot of times when we have these conversations about abuse or anything in which a, a one person is dealing with a situation which they're not being treated properly, people love yeah. to go to, oh, well, if her daddy was in the house, she would know, right. or, you know, we love to blame things on daddy issues and you don't right. have any of that. At all. At and all. and I think thing. there is this feeling like of yeah. being inoculated from yeah. uh, uh, abuse if you have a healthy parents or healthy relationships, but this thing can happen right. to anybody, even if you do have yeah. 
a healthy model of love and relationships in your life, it Absolutely. can happen. That's why, you know, so many people, when I speak about it or tell my story now, are flabbergasted because they're just like, what, you? Like, you know, and, and he was the epitome of, I was, I told when I finally was open with my parents, I explained that I was like, it was pretty much Jekyll and Hyde. Like mm. he was the perfect gentleman when we were out in public, so, you know, he was, I, who would show up at my job with flowers. Wow. He was the, that sent me flowers on the regular. If he couldn't hand deliver them, um, he would randomly bring me lunch to work. Sometimes he would randomly surprise. He surprised me on my birthday with a, a puppy. Like he was that type that was just on, on paper, the perfect gentleman, but he had some demons. Yeah. And but so that's also that's classic love bombing. Have you heard that term before? Ex- Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listeners, if you're not familiar with that, it is li- it is literally the idea of I'm going to just flood your life with all of these acts of affection and love right. and generosity so that you don't remember or you don't think or so that you are so connected to me that you may not right. be as angry or as reactionary exactly. to my abuse, to the days that I'm mean, to the days that I'm cold, or exactly. I've just abused you. And so yeah. for forgiveness, I'm going to show up with like go a tennis yeah. bracelet and here's roses exactly. and here's these things because I'm just going to overwhelm you. And, and, and at the same time, those are very public displays, right? So if you exactly. tell your coworkers, hey, this is what's going on in their mind, no, him, they're I like, see him all the time. he's perfect. Right. And it doesn't help that my love language is actually the giving and receiving of gifts. Mm. So it, it doesn't help that that is like, I always knew, but I've even taken the test just to be 100% sure. Um, <laughs> you know, like, love, like, like uh, gifts and words of affirmation are my top two. So I've always been a gift giver because I, I, I like the, the, the love and the message behind it. I'm, I'm, I just, not to toot my own horn, but I consider myself a very thoughtful person. Yeah. And especially when there's thought, like the gift doesn't even have to be monetary. You know, you could be driving home, you know, I love flowers and you see one and you pick it for me. Like that, right. that I would cherish that, you know, and he knew that. Mm. So, you know, it was just like in a, in a lifetime movie, you, you, we have an argument and you hit me, but then you go away and you come back with, with chocolate or with flowers or with my favorite ice cream, you know, mm. or you show up at my job the next day after an argument and you, you bring me lunch so that you have these public displays of affection so that you can get in good with, you know, or you show up at my job because you know, I'm not going to argue with you at my job right. because I'm trying to protect my job, you know? So you do things like that in public because you know, I can't necessarily, you know, get mad or retaliate in that moment mm. because I'm at work. And it gives you know, him so he, a chance to feel like he's not that bad of a person either. He's a gentleman. Everybody, exactly. you know. Look what I did. Look at all these people like, oh, my God, you're so sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why did my do that? Like, you, you, you get all the hoopla and all of the praise from other people, you know, but they don't know what you're doing at home. Like, to this day, I have a, a, I have a few coworkers that have met him in situations from when he would um, – pop up at my job or whatever, just come visit. And they're just like, 
it's crazy to me that this is the same person that I met. Like, mm-hmm. of course they believe me and they understand and, you know, they, they, they understand completely, but they're still shocked. Like I had a, a coworker DM me last week after I, uh, or the other week when I posted something after, uh, like national, uh, uh, domestic violence month or mm-hmm. domestic violence awareness month and she was just like it's crazy to me that this is the same person wow. because she met him we've gone to dinner together mm. um hung out after work and we were at a bar and he had called me and they were like oh call him tell him to come and he came and hang out with us and they were just like how is this the same person right. that bought us a round of drinks and i'm like that's because that's just what he did wow. you know wow so, yeah Everyone was fooled. Everybody. The only person I can say that wasn't really fooled, not the only, but the main person I can say that was not fooled is my sister, Alex. Um, All of this was going on when she was still in Florida. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she, I, I thank God, Alex and anyone who knows her can attest, has a great sense of discernment. Yes. Um, She, very good at reading people. She's very no-nonsense. She will tell it like it is. Um, and she will give you the truth, but it's always out of love. She always had an iffy feeling, mm. but she couldn't, she never knew what was going on. But, you know, just decisions that I would make, she'd be like, this is not Adriana. Like, what's going on? Like, what kind of control does this guy have over her? Wow. You know, so she always was a bit, she tolerated for me because she knew that that that's who I loved but she she never really banged with him 100% at all right right yeah so you mentioned that Alex had an iffy feeling and of course she wasn't living there so of course it was easier to hide any kind of abuse from her she wasn't in town right at that time how why did you make the decision to not tell anyone in your family I was embarrassed I, I was just very embarrassed because, um, again, any, anybody who knew me or, or knew me beforehand, they would never think that I would be that type of person. Um, I pride myself in being very strong-willed. Anyone who, whenever I get described, it's always marches to the beat of her own drum, is, is passionate, is, 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 you know, strong or whatever is you know, she's, she's very, got her, her head on straight, so to speak. And I was just embarrassed because I knew I was tolerating and acting like the opposite of what I had always been. Mm. And I just didn't want to admit that I was struggling. Um, I did not want to admit that I was hurting. I did not want to admit that, you know, Alex's discernments and hunches were correct. Right. Um, I, I, I just, I was just truly embarrassed. And, you know, I would always, I always had a story to hide a bruise or there was one time I, I had sprained my wrist and I told you that he had bought me a, a puppy. It was a, right. a pit lab mix. So by the, a couple months in, it was a big dog, you know, and he, I once sprained my wrist because I was trying to argue and I was trying to get away and I I just tried to get in the bathroom and just like locked the closet door and he ended up slamming the door on my, on my wrist. Um, and thank God it it didn't break. Well, a broken bone ends up coming later, but, um, wow. He, 
it ended up spraining my, I went to the, the urgent care and my wrist was sprained and I blamed it on, I was walking the dog and he pulled too hard and I fell. You know, I, I always had an excuse. Mm. Uh, when I, when I eventually broke a bone, I, I broke my foot. We were living together. We were on the, when we lived together, we were on the second floor. Um, and this was about six months after, well, not, not even six months. This was about three months after I sprained the wrist. Wow. Um, we had an argument. I was trying to get away. I, I ran down the stairs. I slipped and fell and I broke my foot, but you know, I just blamed it on, I fell, which I did. It was a half truth. Right. But, but you I would not have been running down the stairs. Right. I didn't explain why I was running. I didn't explain what led up to the moment. You know, so I, I had half troops and I had really good cover ups, wow. frankly. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, and even my doctor once, I went and got a physical and I had bruises on my shoulder or on, on my, uh, my arms from where he had grabbed me too hard. And my doctor asked about it and I just was like, oh yeah, I, I work retail, so I was like lifting a really big box and it, it fell on me. You know, like I, I just, I, I always had some backup story to protect him. Yeah. yeah. To protect him. To protect him. I didn't even care about myself, I guess, just to protect him. I'll, I'll never forget there was a moment where I don't know if it was the neighbor underneath me, the neighbor next, someone called the police mm-hmm. once. Um, and being a young black couple and we, at the time we stayed in, if anybody's familiar with Atlanta, uh, we stayed in Alpharetta, which is a pretty white, um, nouveau riche kind of area. Um, it's, it's where, like, for example, um, the, a lot of the housewives stay in Alpharetta. Right. So it, it's a nice area with nice apartments with nice stuff it's the kind um, of neighborhood where you say everybody act right let's exactly. not yell too much exactly. <laughs> let's exactly let's not let's draw attention quiet. to ourselves right i got like it. my neighbor being on the next because we were all white people mm-hmm. <laughs> so us being i think the only black people on our floor um i remember the police were called once and they opened the door and they're like um, we heard we got a disturbance call, blah, 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 blah. They can completely see that the place is disheveled. Um, but, you know, I explained that he had hit me and they separated us to get our stories. And I explained that he had hit me, but because there was at the time no physical cuts or bruises or signs of abuse on me at the moment, they mm. said that it was he said, she said, and there was nothing that they could do. Yeah. And they handed me a pamphlet on domestic violence and then they left. But when I op- when uh, the door was opened and I realized it was the police, I was more afraid and wanted to protect him because everyone knows what happens with black people and police. Listen, so, so I, I think that's a that's an extra level of of panic yeah. that black women in particular mm-hmm. um, that are being abused right. are going to feel, and that is, I just want this person to stop. But if I call the cops right. and you shoot him, because we have potentially. A- you know what I'm yeah. saying? We have a brutality issue. And right. Isn't that what happened with, um, what's the last guy? I forget. He went to break up a fight and there was a warrant for him. But the warrant oh. was because he had been abusive to his ex. 
Right. I know his name is slipping me right now, but I know exactly who you're talking about. I don't about. remember yeah. his name. <laughs> Isn't that so sad that there's so many that were like, which one are you talking about? That's, it, but that goes thing. right into the problem <laughs> that yeah. we have. And that is, okay, I'm being abused. I need yeah. this to stop. I need help, but I don't want to be responsible for his murder. Exactly. And like, you're not responsible. To... Let me clear that up. You would not be right. responsible for his murder. But at yeah. the same time, I get feeling like, okay, it's, I, I, I just want this person safe. We just had that same situation with Megan and Tori. Right. Tori shot her in the foot. And her first yeah, reaction absolutely. was, I don't want him in trouble with the police. Right. I completely empathized with Megan. I didn't watch the whole thing because, frankly, a lot of it is triggering. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of went on a mini t- Twitter rant <laughs> that night um, <laughs> because I completely, yeah, I, I anyone who knows, I, I rant a lot on Twitter. Twitter is like my Twitter is my, my safe per- space, so I get it. Twitter is my safe space because I only follow people who I know are like-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have that many, I have much more followers on my other social media than Twitter. So I almost sometimes feel like I'm talking to myself, which I'm at peace with. Um, I bother you on but, there though. So you're not completely Yeah, we alone. talk on Twitter. <laughs> we talk on Twitter. Like, exactly. Be like-minded people on Twitter. <laughs> but I kind of went on a rant because I was like, I understand her wanting to protect that black man. Because at the end of the day, even though this black man is harming me, I know that systematically they're har- harming us. Mm. And I don't want to be um, a, a, a part of a systemic or systematic. Every, it's it's systemic, but honestly, it's systematic too. I know they're two different words, but, no, but it's I don't both. want to it's be, both. Yeah, It's both. I don't want to be responsible for another statistic. I don't want to be responsible mm-hmm. for another hashtag. I don't want to be responsible for another, you know, and even though I know I'm not responsible in that moment, that's how I felt. So even though he was harming me, I still wanted to protect him because I know that he could, unfortunately, if I call the police, he could die. Yeah. And I don't, and I, even though I know it's not my fault, I would feel that. For you the don't rest want of him to life. die. You still loved him. You don't want him to die. Yeah, I still love them. It's like, I just want you to just stop. Yeah. I don't want you to go to jail or die. Yeah. You know, so I, I spoke up in that moment, but I kind of wasn't believed. So since, mm. since then, I kind of never really spoke up anymore. Because it's that's... like, okay. <laughs> What'd you say? Repeat what you said. I, and I was just saying, like, if the police don't believe me, then what's the point? And I think that varies from state to state, county to county, because there's some states and I've heard of situations. I don't know if that's a Florida thing where the cops get called. And if they don't, if one person says I got hit and the other person says, well, you hit me too. They'll take you both to jail. Yeah. So I've heard Georgia both. (laughs) (laughs) Georgia is, is, is backwards. And I don't know if it's a state thing. I don't know if it's a county thing. I don't know if it's a city thing. I don't, I don't really know. Because it, it wasn't even Fulton County Police. It was Alpharetta Police. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, a city mandate. So I don't know. I, maybe it was a city thing. I don't know. But they literally, it was two officers. It was one woman, one man. The woman talked to me and the man talked to him. And it was, I'm sorry if you can hear Alex screaming in the background on the phone. Um, That's but okay. Yeah, it was, That's, listen, I'm, it not, was, I'm not editing that out. I want her to hear herself. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just, I, hopefully, she hears us back. She can hear that she's on the phone yelling. Um, yeah, it was a woman officer that was just kind of like, "Well, ma'am, unfortunately, you know, at this point, it's he said, she said, and mm. you know, you don't have any physical signs, so there's nothing we can do." And they just handed me a pamphlet, 
and wow. left. And there's no, you know, so that's another issue that we, we all need to unify and, and the fact that there is no uniformity. There is no, uh, no matter where we are, I know if I seek help, this will happen. Every county, every state, right. practically every city right. is doing their own thing and you may be safe, but if you move across the county lines, you may not Pretty be. much. So that's a, that's, a, that's a major, major issue that, that needs to be addressed on a higher level that needs to be brought attention to. Um, yeah. I do want to ask you, what was the final straw? So the final straw um, was May of 2018. Again, not sure what we were arguing about, um, but we were, I was exhausted from arguing. Like, he's the type that would never let something go. Um. So I was just like, I'm going to leave. Um, but it took an hour for me to try to leave. Like he's, he was bigger than me. So of course he could overpower me. He mm. grabbed my keys out of my hand and completely threw them across the parking lot. So I spent a long time trying to put my keys back together. So after that happened, I finally get to my car and I try to crank my car and I'm trying to back out. Of course he is behind the car, all the, trying to get me from leaving so eventually he starts just like banging on the window and the window smashes um, and glass goes all over me. And wow. this was in the summer, of course. So I had on a tank top and I had on shorts. So you're so cut up. You're cut all up. I'm all cut up. up. I'm cut up. Yes. Um, and so I could kind of see blood start dripping from me looking down. But he's just like, get out the car, get out the car, get out the car. Um, And he takes me and I'm shaking and crying. So the sight of blood and the fact that he probably is bleeding from his hands does not stop him. He is still focused on controlling. Well, at that, he's controlling me, trying to get me inside because he doesn't at this point, there's a woman bleeding and screaming and crying in the parking lot. Mm. He doesn't want to try to draw attention. So he tried to take me inside and he just keeps saying, don't look up, don't look up, don't look up, meaning don't look in the mirror. Um, So he takes me to the bathroom. He walks out to go get like uh, a rag peroxide, something like that to kind of clean up. And of course, I look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and I see it looked like something I always say. It looks like something out of, if you you remember the movie Carrie, uh, the prom scene. Where she's covered in pig blood. Bloody, yeah. That's what it was like. I was bleeding from, I was cut um, on my forehead. I was cut underneath my chin. I still have the scar. To this day, I still have five scars. One on my chin, one on the top of my shoulder, one in the middle of my arm, one on my forearm, and one on my leg, all on the left side. The rest of them healed up a bit, but those were the ones that were like deep cuts. Um, so there's blood just completely streaming down my body. And this was before I had locks. So I had a big natural hair. So there's glass all in my hair and I look in the mirror and I see glass all in my hair and I see blood coming down the left side of my body. And I'm like, Adriana, what are you doing? Yeah. This is you like enough is enough. He's now physically bloodied you. This is it's crazy that you know a sprained wrist, um, bruises, a and a broken foot didn't do it, but blood did. It. Yeah. <laughs> so when finally, and I mean, he and there had been blood before. There was a time where he straight up slapped me and it busted my lip. But 
that didn't do it either. I, I think it was when I see just streams of blood flowing like a fountain, just coming down. I think that's when I realized this is crazy. This is crazy. Yeah. And that's when I, I was just like, I, I took a shower and I washed my hair to get all of the glass off of me. But I was like, I'm done. But even still in that moment, when I went home to my parents, I still protected them. I still said that just my car was broken into. That's how I explained the broken window. I, I still... How did you explain all the protect. cuts everywhere? I, I, I cleaned it up by then and I put on a long sleeve shirt and long sleeve pants and my mom did see the the cut on my chin and I was just like I don't know something must have bit me I must have got bit by a bug and scratched it and now it's you know just scarred that was my when I tell you I had an excuse for everything everything so yeah I just said that my car was broken into when I was at his apartment Wow. That that was my week. It was believable because at the time there was a string of on it was on the news of car break-ins wow. in that area. So it was believable because that was going on in that area at the time. So I was just like, oh yeah, they just broke into my car. Wow. Yeah. How hard was it and to I, leave? How hard was it to to break away? Very it was very hard. I officially was like I'm done in May of 2018 but it took until July of 2019 for him to finally leave me alone wow it took over a year yeah it, it took over a year for me to finally be left alone um still would pop up at work uh still would call me I, I blocked his phone number and he would call me from unknown numbers you know there's apps now oh yeah google you, and, uh what's the google google yeah. phones and Google phones and Google numbers and all of that. Like I blocked his main number and he would call me from other numbers. I would block those numbers and then he would email me. I, you know, got on Google and like stopped the notification for that certain email. So I wouldn't get it. And then he created an inst found me on Instagram on, on like another, cause I had blocked his social media, but then he had another Instagram right. and I blocked that one. And then he found me on the Fitbit app. Like they're just like Fitbit. A Fitbit. Like I forgot that back in the beginning of our relationship, we both had, cause he had bought me a Fitbit. So we were connected on Fitbit and he later on, I guess reinstalls the Fitbit app and sends me a message on there. Like he so was he like trying to woo you, like give me another chance. Was he just like, yeah. hey girl, I saw you reach ten thousand steps. Let's reach ten thousand together. Like what was he? <laughs> like he, he well that well yeah all of the above. Like he would just try to find light conversation. Like you know he he was always trying to find some reason to get in. Like he by the time we broke up, he drove trucks, and so he would like try to call me and be like oh yeah I'm, I'm driving late at night and I'm tired and I just need someone to talk to to keep me awake you know and he just he, he eventually moved out of the apartment with his brother and so he sent me an email like oh Here's we're my moving. new address still, right like you still have a, a pair of shoes here you still have a dress here uh you want to come get it or what you want me to do you know, things like that yeah. and, you know, to try to get in contact with me. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah, there was always a way. And at the end of the day, also, he still owed me a lot of money. So he... How did he owe you money? Is this part of the financial well, abuse or just regular couple of... stuff? This is regular both. Um, mm. I, you know, with us living together, even even though we're together, you know, there was a... At the end of the day, if the rent doesn't get paid, that affects both of us. Right. You know, so there time where he had lost his job and I was covering kind of everything by myself and there was a time where he was in between jobs and you know I had lent him some money he said he would pay me back you know things like that so there was a long running tab of money that he owed me and for a long time he he was actually even though we were broken up paying me back but as soon as I officially was like do not contact me unless it's about money that's when he stopped paying up. So I haven't gotten any money since July of 2019, and he still owes me probably thousands, to be frank. Um, but I'm just going to let that go and give it to God. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he, still owed me a, he still owed me money, so he would try to contact me and say, like, oh, yeah, I'll have this to you by Friday. And I'd be like, okay. And he's like, well, how are you doing? You know, like he would try to yeah, weasel in. Into a yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned giving giving the situation to God and I do want to I know I want to go back to when you said that because the relationship started in church you kind of held yeah. on to it a little longer because you you had connected that this was some sort of a God relationship, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. How did you disassociate that? How did you get out of thinking, okay, because we we were connected in church, we are God ordained? How did you move past that thought? And it, especially once you broke up and realized we're not going to stay together. This is not God. How did you, how did you move past that? Well, I, what's crazy is that I, I always deep down inside knew I was raised and know that God is a God of love. Mm. So I always felt that this wasn't right, but I, w- I would ignore that feeling and I would shove it deep down inside. Gotcha. So eventually that voice, it was my own voice because I, I know better. Like I said, I didn't come from this. I knew better. But that voice eventually just got louder and louder and louder. And I just, frankly, you you get sick of it. And you're like, I'm tired mm. of this. This is BS. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. God or not, God will send me somebody else. Okay. You know, but you know, <laughs> I, I, what really hit me was, I saw it was it was two things. I I saw a, a like a meme once that I think it's First Corinthians. What whatever the scripture is that says love is patient, love, love is, is kind, kind, love is not boastful. That whole scripture. Mm-hmm. I saw a meme once that said take that scripture and replace the word love with your partner's name. Mm. And it was like, if you can't do that and say that your partner fits this description, you all don't mesh Mm. and you all don't need to be together. And that hit me because I was like, I can't put his name in any of these blanks. Mm. And it was just like, why am I suffering? And I remember it was one time my mom and I were talking and she knew that we would argue, but she never knew to that extent. Right. Um, right. But I called her once after an argument. I was crying and I was just frustrated. And this was at the time we were four, almost four years in. He's talking about marriage. Right. 
in fact, he had actually surprised me once ring shopping. Like I tried on a whole ring and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, four and years in, he my, thinks you're, you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember telling my mom that. And she said, well, Adriana, would you want to marry him? She was like, would you be comfortable for the rest of your life for it to be exactly how it is now? Mm. And I was like, no, not at all. And she said, well, Adriana, you don't need to be thinking about marriage to this man. Because if you can't marry someone and be okay with how they are right now, the rest of your life, they're not the one for you because there's no guarantee that anything is going to change. And this is just when she thought we were just arguing. Yeah. This is yeah. when she didn't even know abuse was in the picture. Yeah. And and if she can say something like that and she doesn't even know that abuse is happening, I'm just like, well, all she knows about is the fact that he screams. Right. So we add in the fact that he's hit me. No, I don't. I, I don't want that from time to time. And there there. I mean, I, I don't want that for the rest of my life. And there right. is no guarantee will change so no I, I can't marry him right then in this moment and it was when I was t about to turn 26 and it was something about hitting my late 20s that I was just like I'm oh, wasting yeah I am wasting my time I said because I don't want to marry you unless you change you're not showing any sign of change I've given you four years mm -hmm. you don't fit the description of this scripture I don't want to be with this person forever I, there's no guarantee you'll change I'm done combine that with the fact that now you've officially bloodied me and you've scarred me permanently I'm good yeah <laughs> so yeah. that that was kind of the wake up moment was me hitting my late 20s and you know me getting that conversation with my mom and and seeing that meme about you know corinthians that's that's what it was i love that and i love that i love that scripture you know yeah is what gave you the clarity that this wasn't yeah. it for you because a lot of times people use the bible and use scripture and use our traditional views on relationships sometimes to encourage people to stay in exactly. bad spots oh you know just work through it and especially if y'all were living together church folk love to make married like people that live together get they married love they love yeah. to make go to the altar y'all been together too long we know y'all fornicate exactly. go get married tomorrow <laughs> like, like they be ready exactly. so i'm so exactly. glad that when you actually read you know that spiritual guidance and got it for yourself that right. it, it became clear to you that's such a clear message right. And I was talking about this on an earlier podcast and that is that we all have to be mindful, those of us that grew up in church and are used to traditional church values, that sometimes the devil knows the scriptures too, the devil knows Absolutely. how to go to church, the devil knows all that stuff. The devil was an angel. Hello. <laughs> and knows how to do mm -hmm. angel stuff. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. it, it is easy for us to see it in an appearance, you know, this guy's in church, this guy loves the Lord. Uh, then he's right. got to be the right person for me or, you know, right. even I mean, let me make it gender fair. This lady is always in church. She's always this. But when you go home and she treats you like hell. Right. When she's using scripture to abuse you, to keep you marginalized, to keep you oppressed. Right. That's manipulation. Right. That's not a person that is doing what is actually of God and of light. Absolutely. And it was my mom that said, Adriana, God is not a God of dysfunction. Mm. And that's true. And and, and it was the, the specific part of the scripture that hit me was where it says, uh, you know, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. Mm. And I was like, okay, he really doesn't fit that because he <laughs> is easily. 
I was like, he is self-seeking. He is easily angered. He does keep a record of wrongs. Like those smallest things would always get thrown back in my face two years later, you know? And I was like, this is the epitome of keeping records of wrong. This is the epitome of easily angered. And so I'm like, how can I, you know, even be thinking about potentially spending the rest of my life with you when I don't even like who you are right now. Like, Mm. I love you, but I don't like you. Yeah. I don't like you at all. And it just, it, seriously, something about knowing I was about to turn 26 at the time, it, it just, it clicked. Yeah. It clicked. And I was just like, no, I'm done. Listen, the astrologers yeah. say you were moving towards your Saturn return. And, yes. And, and, Saturn's return. Yes. And that's a real thing. I was neck deep in mine before somebody told me about it. Cause I, you know, yeah. I was just struggling and, and somebody was like, oh girl, you're 29, you're in your Saturn return, this is what happens, life yeah. kind of falls apart and you're just forced to grow up. And I was like, oh, yeah. well somebody should have told me that at 23 so I could have got ready. But Exactly, that's what my therapist brought that to my attention because I was telling her, because I, I started going to my therapist in August of 2018, as I said, my birthday is in October, it's tomorrow, so my, my, my therapist saw me turn 26, saw me turn 27, and is now seeing me turn 28. And I remember telling her, I was like, it's just a shift. Like, I just feel different. And she said, it's called Saturn's return. And I looked it up, and she's the one who explained it to me. Mm -hmm. Because I never knew. I was like, why do I feel weird? Like, Mm -hmm. physically, you know, spiritually, like, everything just feels different. And it's almost as if I was looking through rose-colored glasses, and I finally took them off. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you're crazy. Yeah. And that's what is. Yeah. It's literally like, you know, in the Bible, they say the, the devil came to sift you like wheat. I always say I felt yeah. like I've been sifted. You know, it's like I'm still flower, yes. right? I'm still here, but I definitely have gone through a shaking. Absolutely. And so I get it. Absolutely. And it makes sense that when you hit that point or, or we're starting to hit that point in your life, it was like, wait, 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 this ain't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, this ain't right. That ain't right. What advice yeah. do you have for someone? who is in an abusive relationship, someone who may have been in your shoes? Um, of course, the obvious, get out. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times that's not that easy. So I would say, especially especially if it's someone you live with or someone that you're married to. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get out, uh, my advice is document everything. Um, if you are bruised, take pictures. If you go to the doctor, tell the doctor the truth, you know, doctor, patient confidentiality, they're not going to tell, but get a print out of your, like it, cause it, at the end of the day, if you have to, you know, build a case or if you have to explain this to someone or people who may not believe you, okay, now I, I have physical proof, especially if, you know, if, like a, for the police, because, you know, I'm living proof that the police will not believe you if there is not, you know, documented evidence. And, you know, if, if you can take pictures or if you can get a doctor's report or things like that, you know, it just keep, keep, keep a record, keep, yeah. keep a record. So you have some type of, 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 of proof. Cause unfortunately the way society is, is built, you may not get believed yeah. if you have no record. So that, that's what I would say. And of course, get out and find someone you can trust to speak to. Like you're not alone. You know, if you can talk to a therapist Shoot, I talk. I've had random strangers DM me on Instagram. Like, yeah. talk to me. If there's, there's always people out there who understand you and who care 
um, even if you feel like there are people who don't. So there's somebody who you can trust. And, and please, please speak up. Please. You can save yourself a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of depression, a lot of broken bones. Speak up. It feels so much better to be on the other side than it does on the inside of it. I love it. I love it. And what advice do you have for those of us who are friends or loved ones and we get told or maybe someone reaches out to us and lets us know that they're being abused? Uh, yeah. The page of the signs. There's always signs. Uh, isolation is a sign. Mm. Uh, you know, the person just not seeming how they normally are, just make, kind of making rash decisions. That's definitely a sign. Once that person finally comes out and tells you, um, understand that it, it took a lot for them to get there. So be as empathetic as you can. Help them when you can. Understand that there's going to be times where they are angry. They may lash out, but they're just working through. Um, and just, just be there for them. All, just, just support means a lot. Even if I remember there was a time when my best friend, I was having a, a really bad moment and I couldn't even talk. And she was just like, I'll just sit with you. Hmm. And I just cried and we just sat in silence and I cried, you know, that once someone is out of it, they're still probably, cause they're, they're blaming themselves. They're blaming God. They're blaming everybody except who they should blame. And mm. when, you know, when you're processing it's hard, so just empathy, understanding, and just watch for the signs. Cause there's always some signs whether they make it obvious or not. Like I yeah. said, uh, of course, you know, physical bruising is a sign, but there, I, I, I'm a family person and I wouldn't, I would go, you know, even though Alpharetta is only 45 minutes away from my parents, my parents would go two months without seeing me, but I could easily just drive back and wow. forth in, on several occasions in one day. Like Alpharetta is not far from Decatur where my parents live. And I would, they'd still be like, why haven't we seen you? Or why haven't you been to church? And I'm just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I'd make excuses. But no, pay, pay, there's always something. But yeah. also, don't blame yourself either if you are a family member or a friend. Yeah. Because I, I did unfortunately deal with some people like, I should have seen the signs. I'm so sorry. Or, or they get frustrated when I talk about it or think, not with me, but at the situation. And it's like, you have to understand you can't blame yourself either because the person who's going through has to get sick of it and want to leave. There's mm. nothing that a friend or family member can do until that person is ready to leave and is ready to speak up. So even if you know something is going on, you can't blame yourself for them not wanting to leave. They yeah. have to make the conscious decision to do it. Yeah. So that's another big thing. Family and friends, don't blame yourself either. Don't blame yourself. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's good advice. That's good advice. Adriana, anything yeah. you'd like my listeners to know before we uh, head out? Um, there is hope. There is help. Uh, and God is real. I love it. I love Those it. main things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And it feels good to be on the other side. Definitely. It feels good to be on the other side? It feels so much better to be on the other side. I'm... I can't say thank you enough. I am yeah, so thank thankful you. that you were willing and so open with sharing your story. I'm so thankful that you're on the other side too, girl. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 even though, like I said, we still have, you know, not really met in person. I feel your love and I feel your prayers. So thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It, you know, it, it feels for me not wanting to talk. It, it feels good now to talk about it. So this is almost like therapy for me. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, this is good. And I hope that yeah. this, I really do feel like your basically advocacy work can help other people. I, I just, I believe in my spirit. This, this episode is going to help some people. So, Amen. Amen. You. How can Amen. the people reach out to you if they want to see your makeup or talk to you about domestic violence awareness? So you can reach out on Instagram. My Instagram is one one spelled out O N E dope D O P E A T L N A T L I E N one dope A T L N on all social medias, Instagram and Twitter. I'm more likely to respond on Instagram because Twitter I be I be iffy on Twitter, but. So yeah, reach out on Instagram, one dope ATL. You can follow, like, share, or reach out, whatever you decide. And I'll have that link in the description box for you. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Again, I want to thank my guest, Adriana, for being so bold and brave and sharing her story with us. And I really do hope that her openness and advocacy uh, empowers one of you, any of you that may be listening, uh, that's dealing with a domestic violence situation or abuse of any kind, that it empowers you and reminds you that there is a way out and you can get out and be free and happy. Um, that's what we want for you. We always want your highest good. So thank you for listening. As always, you can email me at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can send me a voice memo and the link is in the description box. And I just want you to have a happy Halloween. Wear your costumes, be safe, wear a mask, uh, two-step around, eat some candy. You know, just seek joy before um, November 3rd. Have as much fun as you can, 2020. Uh, we deserve it. And if any of you are listening who needs this message, and I, I doubt there's many, please don't do blackface. Don't, another person's ethnicity is not a costume. That's also a general statement. That's my advice. I love you, babies. Have a great, great week and a wonderful, happy Halloween. Mwah.